Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we are all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hey, good to see you today. Welcome, welcome. Yay! We can celebrate that God is good. I'm so glad that you made it. If you are new with us, I'd love for you to jump by the blue tables after the service and just connect. Or if you're ready, come to the Connecting Point Lunch. It's going to be a good uh, time to just get to know one another. Uh, I wanted to just begin, uh, before I get into the message today, by letting you know if you're a part of Centerpoint Church body, uh, we send out a quarterly giving letter. And so that's going to come to you this week. And uh, I just wanted to let you know about that. So when that comes in the mail, it always has a letter from me that gets included. And I, I want to make sure I say loud and clear to everybody, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. And I hope that when you get that giving letter, that you look at it and you, you look at what your family was able to do and that you would just go, man, yay God, we were able to do that. And, and whatever it was, that you would joyfully kind of look back on the first quarter. And, uh, and I hope and pray that many of you would say, yep, we've been tithing. And this is, man, this is reminding me that we really have been. You know, you might look at it and go, okay, well, we made about $22,000 in the first quarter of the year. And look, we gave around 2200 We tithed. And it would be great if many of us would be able to get that giving statement and literally shout for joy to say, look what God you made possible for me, you know? And uh, in the letter, I also just explained briefly in case you uh, didn't get a chance to read it. I just explained that as we're coming into the end of our fiscal year, there's a shortfall in terms of this is where what we had been budgeting and this is what has been given and I'm not saying that to uh, make anybody feel guilty or freaked out or anything. It's just information. But I think it's information, especially for those of us that call Center Point Church our home, that we should be aware of. And we should, maybe, maybe for some of us, we might hear that and go, huh, well, I, I, I've been tithing and I feel like I've done what God has called me to do. Then good. And all I want you to hear me say is thank you. Well done. But then there might be some others of us that are here now and going, wow, I've been part of this church for a couple years, but I don't really give. I certainly don't tithe. And maybe me sharing with you that, wow, we're dealing with a bit of a shortfall would cause you to say, maybe I ought to change that. And I wanted to let you know about that. And there's uh, no special offering at the end of this service. The doors aren't getting locked till everybody comes and puts it on the altar. None of that. You're, it's okay. But I, I just wanted to share that with you, just matter-of-factly. And then um, many of you, what, what will happen is you, you will sense God saying, you've done your part. Good. And I want to say that too, but there might be others of us that would pray and go, wow, maybe we ought to step it up a little. We, we could. Look at how God's blessed us. And so that's, that's that. So we're going to take some time to be in the Word of God today. I want to ask you to open up your Bible to, uh, to Psalm 29 and then also John 10. So open up the Bible and make your way to uh, John 10 and Psalm 29. You can kind of put a thumb in both for a minute. And as you're turning to, uh, to Psalm 29, this is part two of a series called Thunderstruck about hearing the voice of God, listening to the voice of God in our lives. And so uh, just turning to, uh, to Psalm 29, this is where I want to begin. And I'm beginning here because I believe that 
Our nation needs people, believers, who are listening to the voice of God. I believe that our state needs believers who are listening to the voice of God. I believe that our city, Murrieta and Temecula and Wildemar and Moreno Valley and everywhere in between and Lake Elsinore, our cities need believers who are listening to the voice of God. Our, our homes need believers who are listening to the voice of God. Your kids need you to be a mom or a dad who's growing and learning to listen to the voice of God. Our church needs to be full of believers who are learning more and more to listen to the voice of God. And and I want to declare to you what it says in Psalm 29, in verse 3. It says, the voice of the Lord, Psalm 29.3, the voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Say that last verse, verse four, out loud with me. Ready? Say it. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Say it one more time. Everybody outside and at home too, say it. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. 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 Majestic is a word that Uh, You know, a lot of times we use majestic like this. Oh, let's do the scenic overlook. And we get out of the car and we look and see the sun setting in this valley. And we say, oh, wow, this is majestic. And we use it to kind of describe something that is is beautifully inspiring. But in, in the biblical sense of this word, majestic, it means there is majesty to it. And majesty is a word that is really reserved rightly for someone who is a king. And so if you could just for a minute picture a king sitting on a throne with the royal court surrounding, and that king is majestic. And whatever that king says has majesty. And and what that means is that whatever that king says is absolutely, fully authoritative and powerful in the entire realm. And it doesn't matter if the king shouts it or if the king whispers it. It doesn't matter if the king says it loudly or says it softly. It doesn't matter if the king simply says it with a gesture, you know. (laughs) Or it doesn't matter if the king writes it down and sends it on a piece of paper. It is majestic. It has majesty. That is to say, it is fully endued with the authority and the weight of the authority of the king. And, and, I, and I want you to know when the scripture says the voice of the Lord is majestic, it's because the voice of the Lord has the final say. The voice of the Lord is the authoritative voice. It is the voice of the Lord that says what goes and what stays and what happens and what doesn't. It is the voice of the Lord that demonstrates the reigning rulership of God. And my question to you is this, is the voice of the Lord majestic in your life? Not just in the sense that it's like the scenic overlook. Oh, wow, what an inspiring view. How majestic. No, 
Is the voice of the Lord majestic in your life? Does God's voice have majesty in your life? That is to say, the regal royal authority to determine what is going to happen in your life. Is there any proof in your life that would say, this is the proof. God, his, his majestic voice is present in my life. I'm going his way. I'm learning to walk his ways. I'm hearing what he's saying and I'm living it out. The, the, the psalm continues in Psalm 25, verse 9. It says, the voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forests bare. In his temple, everyone shouts glory. The voice of the Lord strips the forests bare. And here's what I'm wondering about. I'm wondering if maybe some of us need to experience the voice of the Lord coming into our lives and being, being uh, at work to strip away some things that need to be stripped away, some pride that just needs to be stripped off, some arrogance, some foolishness that just needs to be stripped out so you can really thrive, some shady stuff that's been going on that just needs to be stripped out. And I believe the voice of the Lord can do it. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord, it says, it says splits the cedars and twists the mighty oaks. And I, I am eager for us to be people who are growing to appreciate the majestic voice of God in our lives. That is to say, you reign, you're ruling over me, God, and what you say goes. Your voice is majestic to me. Your voice is majestic in my life, God. I want somebody to just say that. Your voice is majestic. Your voice is majestic. Just say it to him. God, your voice is majestic. There's majesty in what you say. You're the reigning, ruling king over my life, and what you say goes. The voice of the Lord. It said there in verse 9, if I could put verse 9 back up, it said, The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips forests bare. And in his temple, everyone shouts, Glory! In his temple, Everyone shouts, glory. There's something about the resounding, majestic voice of God that's so incomprehensibly powerful that when I'm hearing it, my response is, I don't even know what else to say, but glory, glory, glory. And I'm looking for for you and I to be people who would be the ones that would shout, The people in the temple of God that would shout, glory, glory to God, glory to God from a deep place within, just out of a recognition of how powerful and awesome and mighty and regal our God is to just sometimes get out of our polished Sunday selves and just say it, glory, 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 glory. Y'all better jump with me. Better not leave me hanging like that. We're talking about the voice of the Lord is majestic and everybody in God's temple shouted glory. All right, now now I can move on from this point. (laughs) You know, speaking of shouting, uh, shouting glory, I'm I'm glad for us to shout glory, but more, more than shouting it, I hope that you and I would be people who live for it, who live for 
the glory of God. That out of all the range of options that we could consider, I'm living for her, I'm living for him, I'm living for this, I'm living to get that, I'm living for more of, but that somehow we would come to a place where we say, no, I'm, I'm living for the glory of God. And if I just shortened it a bit, I'm living for God. And, and I'm hoping that it would be true of you more and more in your life, that it would be said of you, she's living for God. I don't know what he was doing 10 years ago or even 10 weeks ago, but I see that now he's living for God. And if you're going to be living for God, you need to be listening to God. That's my message today to you. If you're going to be living for God, you need to be listening to God. And so the main idea of this message is just a resolve, a declaration, and it's simply this. I'm listening to God because I'm living for God. I want you to just say this with me. I listen to God because I'm living for God. Say it again. I listen to God because I'm living for God. One more time. I listen to God because I'm living for God. So, so it's, a, it's a fair question I want to ask you. Are you? Are you? On both fronts. Are you living for God? I think at any turn, any one of us need to have the humility before an almighty God to evaluate our lives and what's going on and the choices we're making and ask, am I living for God? Am I? What was I doing? What am I doing? Is it? Is God first in my life? Or have I set up a bunch of idols and I'm listening to what they're saying to me? Am I living for God? And am I listening to him? That, that is the question I hope that we could evaluate together today. But more importantly, I hope you leave with this declaration in your, mind, in your mind and on your life. I am listening to God. I listen to God because I'm living for God. I listen to God because I'm living for God. So everyone in the temple shouts. Glory. glory. All right, glory. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, of shouting, when I was growing up, my dad, uh, he had polio when he was a child. And so as a result of that, some of you know in that generation, it was actually kind of common, but he was paralyzed from the waist down uh, from the time he was 13 or 14. And uh, it's interesting growing up with a, with a father who, who has a, a deal like that going on, and he did things a little differently. He couldn't get around physically, so he, he did a lot more on the, on, on the mental front or sometimes on the vocal front, speaking of shouting. And uh, one of the things that my dad used to do, he, he had this sound he would make. He would like take a deep breath and gather up all of his energy and life force into his belly and just go... I'm sorry if that hurts your ears, but that's what my dad, all the time growing up, I, I, I remember being out on a, a Cub Scout trip and we're camping in the woods and we, we get to the camp place and, and my dad, of course, stayed by the car because he's not going to get around much, but, but I'm out there in the woods with these other guys and we're off in the South 40 and we're not sure where to go and, and the sun's starting to go down and all of a sudden I hear it. Like this, but 10 times louder than that, echoing in the, in the woods there. And, and, and the guys I'm with are like, what's that? What's happening? And I'm like, ah, it's just my dad. Just, it's time to go back. And it's that way. <laughs> I remember being a kid and I'd be uh, like out in the neighborhood riding my little bike. You know, the, the, the red one with the banana seat with the yeah. thing on the, somebody, you know that bike, you had it too. And I'm riding, I'm jumping curbs on that little bike out there in the neighborhood. And, and then all of a sudden I hear it, whoo, it's just 
huge, loud voice. And I just know, oh, it's time for dinner. Listen, before you start hating, this was before cell phones and pagers and people had to get creative. And so, and, and, uh, and it wasn't just reserved for outdoors. That's the thing. I, I remember one time that we were in a museum and I grew up on the East Coast. So I think it was the Smithsonian. And I'm, I'm a kid and I, and I got separated from my parents. I don't know if I was six or seven or eight, something like that. But I'm off in some dark, weird corner. And all of a sudden there's these statues and the statues start looking like ghosts when you're that age and alone. And, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm starting to go freaking out. And, and, then, and I don't know how I'm going to find my family. And then all of a sudden I hear it in the museum. Hoo! And then like, Hoo! like again, Hoo! and all these, I mean, it's good for me. I'm like, oh, that's my dad. But can you imagine all these other people around my dad, like this, this man in crutches and canes and, 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 and shouting like a wolf, like kind of crazy. Anyway, but I knew that sound and it redirected me. It allowed me to move from being lost to get to where I needed to go and to get out of trouble. And there's something about the majestic voice of God that is meant to be like that for you. And when I get into the scriptures in John 10, this is what I find uh, in John 10, 27. Jesus said, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Let me ask you to read that scripture out loud with me. Ready, go. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And Jesus just called you a sheep. I know, I know. None of us wanted to be that. In fact, it was 2021, 2022. Some of us got bumper stickers that said, lions, not sheep. Right? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? And then here Jesus comes along saying, yeah, but uh, from my vantage point, I want, you to, I want you to know the dynamic. You are my sheep. Somebody complete the line from Psalm 23. The Lord is my and the implication is that we, we are actually his sheep. And it's not a flattering word picture. But it is something that gives definition. Uh, you think about a, a sheep and, and, and a shepherd and the relationship there. A, a sheep is, is an animal that it, it, it is a little bit weak. It's not as strong as it might like to be sometimes. A sheep is is an animal that needs really to be cared for all the time. It, it's, a, it's an animal that uh, is defenseless. I mean, it doesn't have any fangs. It doesn't have any claws. And what's it going to do? The sheep's like, hey, 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 you better back off or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump into you with my fleece. You know, <laughs> like, what's it going to do? It's a, a, an animal that is susceptible to attack, vulnerable, and, and it's, it's not flattering, but I think part of why Jesus uses this from the Old Testament through to his own words is because he wants to understand how absolutely in need of him we actually are. To be cared for, to be protected, to be covered, to be led well. But the distinctive is we are his sheep. Eh? We are his sheep. That is that we're going to go his way. We're going to listen for his voice in our lives. We're going to respond to his leadership over our circumstances. We are his sheep. That's a defining. And you can still sing, you're going to hear me roar if you want to. But Jesus still says you're his sheep. John, John 
10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus defines his relationship with you in this unique way. Good shepherd laying his life down, and he did. He laid his life down. Romans 4.25 says that he was handed over to die because of our sins. He laid his life down, but he also took it up again. And that's why Romans 4.25 says, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. And so Jesus, because he was raised from the dead, is able to give you the power to rise from death and whatever death trap the devil has set for you. But part of how he does that is through his voice into your life as the good shepherd. You got to hear this. He, he, he had a picture in mind for your life, and coming to a church service is good, but at the heart of it, what Jesus wants is for you to be somebody who knows he's your shepherd, and his voice into your life is determinative and effectual in every way. And, and so John 10, 14, he says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. This is Jesus talking about you. I know my sheep. I know where you ran off to over there and scratched yourself up. I know you got over on the side here and you started eating this stuff that you shouldn't have been eating and putting into your body and it's all twisted and you're now making you sick. I know. I know my sheep. I know you thought it would be fun to just run over there and play, and you got caught kind of by yourself, and you don't even know it. There's about to be something pouncing on you, but I got you. I know. I know my sheep. I know my sheep. And he says, and they know me. And this is the power that is available to you, is a relationship with one who knows you and who you know. There was a a thing in the news this past week about this bird called Lucky. And this bird called Lucky was separated from its owners for three years. This poor little bird, like lost out there in the city streets. And this, this poor little bird lost for three years just showed up last couple of weeks ago on, on this lady's porch. And she knew this isn't some old nasty crow or Pigeon, like this is a somebody, and so she started taking pictures of it. Sorry for insulting pigeons and, and crows, I apologize. Anyway, <laughs> she took pictures of this cute bird and started posting on social media. We found this bird. Does anybody you know, know anybody who this might belong to? And lo and behold, some guy answered and said, that's my bird. That's my bird, Lucky. I just know it. And she said, well, OK, maybe. But you know, how can I know for sure that it is your bird, not just that you want a free cockatiel? <laughs> and he said, because here's what's going to happen. You put me on speakerphone, and, and I'm going to start whistling the theme song to the Andy Griffith show. And the moment I do that, that bird is going to start bopping its head and dancing back and forth and whistling along with me. And so the next thing that happens is, And the bird's bopping and jumping and whistling along like you just weren't. <laughs> and, and then the nice, happy bird was returned to his family and all is well, sort of, kind of maybe. Don't read the fine print of the news story. But it's a, it was a good, happy moment. And the reason it happened was because that bird knew the sound of his owner's voice or the sound of his owner's whistling of the Andy Griffith theme song. And in the same way, 
that that bird was able to come back home after being lost for three years just because of knowing the sound of the voice of the one who cares for him. You have an ability, a capacity hardwired into you by virtue of your regeneration, your rebirth, your having been born again of an ability to know his voice and to be able to be called back home, rescued by him so that you can stand with him and be restored. This is what I want to do. I want to jump to John 10 and the first couple of verses. Jesus is in this section of scripture talking about that shepherd and sheep relationship, and he's talking about the experience of of hearing the voice of God. So now uh, jump over to John chapter 10 in the first couple, of, first couple of verses, John 10, 1 through 5. Jesus says, so I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. So this is Jesus making an illustration, a metaphor, to describe the essence and the quality of listening to the voice of God. And the way Jesus talks about this, he paints the picture of the relationship between shepherd and sheep, and it's mutual, it's reflexive, it's interactive. And I just trace through the words that we just saw in this section of scripture. It's really important to hear this. It said that he calls us by name. And this world would always attempt to do that, and put a name on you, put a label on you, some subculture saying, we got a sticker to put on your back. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I reserve the right to do that. I'll take that off. Thank you. This one is mine. I call them by name. He calls you by name. And we recognize his voice. That was the next part of it. We recognize his voice. Something inside of us just knows that he's the one I must respond to. And it says, we come to him. That is what we get the privilege of doing, coming to Jesus, coming to him and being received by him, letting him wrap his arms of mercy and love around us, comforting us, giving us a hand where we need it up. This is what we get to do. We come to him and then it says he leads us out. Did you catch that phrase? He leads us out. And shepherd Jesus is, is often looking into the lives of his sheep to see whether or not she or he needs to be led out. And maybe looking into your life and saying, I need to lead you out of this shadowy stuff you've gotten yourself engaged in over here. I want to lead you out of this place where you're just so stuck. I want to lead you out into a, a kind of life that would actually require some faith from you. He's looking to lead us out. I, I wonder if maybe he's looking at some of us and saying, actually, I want to lead you out of a sin-filled lifestyle. And I want to lead you into a way of living that will be full of my brightness and glory in ways you can't even comprehend right now. He leads us 
out and he gathers us as a flock. Did you catch that phrase? This is also part of hearing his voice. He gathers us as a flock. It was not the shepherd's vision to see that we would just be off by ourselves. He wants to allow us to experience his voice in the context of a flock that he has gathered and he's done that for you. And it says, we know his voice. We know his voice. And then it says, and he walks ahead and we follow. When we talk about hearing the voice of God, what we are really talking about, if we take Jesus to heart, is a relationship of closeness with Jesus, where we recognize him as the shepherd of our lives. That's the essence of whatever it's going to mean to hear the voice of God. It's about a relationship where you recognize Jesus as the shepherd of your life. A shepherd gathers, and he has gathered you. He, he, he called you by name. You found yourself at some point in your life turning to Jesus. Some of you, he's calling your name today. It's happening in this season of your life right now. He calls you. He gathers you. He says, you know what? You need to be with some other people who are lining their lives up, pointing towards God. Let's go this way. He gathers you into a flock. He's, he's also leading you out. A, a shepherd leads a flock. A shepherd makes sure that the flock is protected from the enemy, and the shepherd makes sure that the, the flock has what they need to eat, to drink, the basics. And, and the shepherd also leads a flock to not stay in the same place for too long, lest they chew up all of the grass down to the nubs and there's nothing left. And so, so he's doing things in your life like that. But when we say that the Lord is my shepherd, what we're saying is he gets to provide the leadership and the guidance over my life. Like he has the final say because his voice is majestic. Remember that? He really is the shepherd king. And what he says goes in my life. And I'm learning more and more to line my life up with what my regal shepherd king does have to say. I don't get it right all the time, but I'm moving in a direction where it could be said of me, he's living for God. You're moving in a direction where more and more it's observed about you, she is living for God. And because you are living for God, you're listening to God. You're listening to your shepherd king's voice. Verse 3, one more time, it said in John 10, 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. The phrase that I want you to underline is recognize his voice. If you have your paper Bible, underline that phrase, recognize his voice. We have a few more weeks in this series, and I'm going to get more into the weeds on what that means, but here's where I want to begin. I want to begin by simply urging you to learn to, to recognize his voice, and let me share with you some of the different forms that his voice can take. I'm going to take the next five minutes to just share with you 10 particular forms that the voice of God uh, can take. I'm going to go through these real quick. Uh, and this is not exhaustive. There could be more. But uh, first of all, the scriptures. You want to talk about the voice of God? 
you need to be reading the scriptures, the Bible, because this will always be the final measuring stick, the final arbiter, the final judge of whatever may or may not be called the, the voice of God. And let me ask you, are you reading God's word every day? If you're not, I'm imploring you to please read the scriptures every day. And even if you say, you don't understand, I work 80 hours a week. Okay, I get it. Then could you spare five minutes a day? To just open the Bible, at least Proverbs, Psalms, the Gospel of John, Philippians. I mean, like the easy stuff, right? Go ahead, do it. Read the Bible, please. Because if you want to talk about hearing the voice of God, it's going to begin there. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scriptures God breathed, and it's useful for teaching and exhorting and correcting and rebuking. It's, it's so valuable. A, a second form of, of God's voice would be the audible voice of God, the audible voice. Saul in Acts 9.4 heard it. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And there are a number of us in this room that would say, not trying to brag in any way, but just would have to acknowledge there have been some times I've actually heard his audible voice. And if you haven't heard his audible voice, there's nothing wrong with you. And no one can force that to happen. But sometimes God just speaks, like splits right through into time and space. You hear him audible voice. A third form of the voice of God is an impression. An impression. For example, Nehemiah, Nehemiah 7.5, it says that, he says, the Lord put it on my heart to count the number of nobles. He was trying to talk about rebuilding the city walls and the city gates, and he didn't know how many people and what they had. And he said, the Lord put it on my heart. That was an impression. That was a way God spoke to him through an impression. Another way God speaks is in our conscience. Your conscience is one of the ways God speaks to you. In 1 Corinthians 14, 25, or sorry, Romans 9, 1, uh, Paul says, my conscience bears witness with the spirit that I have an unceasing anguish in my heart for you. And so he's describing how his conscience was a place where God was speaking. In 1 Corinthians 14, 25, we find another form of God's voice, and it's a prophetic word spoken by another Christian. And 1 Corinthians 14, the whole chapter describes that, but in 1 Corinthians 14, 25, it says, as they listen to you prophesy, they will fall to their knees and say, surely God is here among you. And so, so a prophetic word spoken by a fellow Christian can be a way God's voice could be heard. Another way God's voice is heard is through preaching and exhortation or teaching. It says it like this in 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone preaches, they should do so as those speaking the very words of God. And so that's one of the ways that you should expect. And that's why sometimes you, you, you are in a, in a service like this and something's stirring inside and, and, and you know God through the preaching of his word is speaking to your heart. Amen. And in, uh, in some ways, a vision is a way God speaks, a vision. Uh, for example, in Jeremiah 1.11, uh, the angel of the Lord says to Jeremiah, what do you see? And he says, I see something looks like an almond tree. And then the rest of the passage describes the meaning of that. But a vision was part of how God chose to make his voice known. Another way God's voice comes through is dreams. Sometimes you've had an experience where you had a crazy dream and you woke up 
knowing that wasn't just a, a mind trip. That was something full of some kind of meaning. And yes, from the scriptures, you better believe it. It's one of the ways God speaks. In Job chapter 33, verse 15, it directly says that dreams are one of the ways God communicates. The book of Daniel recounts one after another where God spoke through dreams even to people who didn't even know him. And then another way that God's voice is heard, this is number nine in case you're getting exhausted with the list yet, we're almost done, an angelic messenger. You can't read any version of the Christmas story and not get an angel showing up with God's word. And that's part of the dynamic. There are some of us here who would say, I absolutely have had an interaction with an angel. And there was a message, and it was God's word. It is one of the biblical ways that God makes his voice known. And then finally, uh, number 10, the peace factor is one of the ways God makes his voice known. In Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And it's one of the ways God speaks, simply through the beyond words peace that you sense in a moment about a decision. These are, these are crucial that, that you understand because we, we want to grow in recognizing God's voice. And in each one of the things that I just shared, there is a need to discern accurately if it is God's voice coming through that form. We'll get into that in the next couple of weeks a little bit more, uh, more deeply. One more time, John 10, 4, Jesus said, after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. They follow him because they know his voice. They follow him because they know his voice. It's great that we all could learn about 10 different forms that the voice of God might take. But you know what's actually way more important than that? The point of hearing the voice of God is to follow his direction in our lives. I, 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 must, I must make this as clear as I can. The point of hearing the voice of God is so that we could get his direction and follow what he's saying for our lives. In whatever way he's going to get his word and his message across to us, the point is so that we would actively follow what he is speaking to us. I, th I think it's important that you and I grow in discerning God's voice. And I get a little worried if, if, uh, if I start thinking of I'm hearing from God, but everything I hear from God is exactly what I wanted anyway. Let me give a few examples. Like, for example, you're, you're thinking, uh, well, what should we do? And then you get this sense inside you should go ahead and buy that boat. You should put it on a credit card and do an extra big old loan to buy the biggest boat you can get. Go ahead and do that. Don't worry about all that tithing nonsense you heard. The church will be around. It's fine. Just buy the boat. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably not the voice of God. <laughs> on the other hand, you're in that moment, what should we do? It's like, well, you should... Buy a boat, but the one that you can actually afford, that you have the money for. Because, oh, by the way, you actually do need to step up to tithing. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. That, that, that must be God. <laughs> for example, you're, you're kind of lonely. You're not sure what you want to do. You bust out your phone and open this app. 
and all of a sudden you're on Tinder and you kind of get the sense something's saying, yeah, yeah, keep swiping, swipe more, swipe, keep swiping until you find just the one. <laughs> a hookup, that's what you need, a hookup, that'll solve all your problems. <laughs> yeah, probably not the Lord, yeah. <laughs> Similar moment and a voice begins to resonate, get that app off of your phone and delete it. The hookup is the last thing you need. You need Jesus. <laughs> you need, that might be the Lord. You're in a moment and you're going, mm, should I forgive her? No, no, you shouldn't forgive her. She needs to know how bad she is and how wrong she is. She needs to be, she needs, someone needs to rub her nose in it and she needs to feel what an awful person she is. Yeah, right, probably not the Lord. But sometimes we kind of go, yeah, yeah, mm, right. The Lord might maybe say something more like, no, you do need to forgive her and you need to stop stonewalling her. She's also valuable to me. You don't have to be best friends, but I, I want you to come together again. Mm. Should I stop giving examples before it gets too uh, painful for too many people? I think so. I think I will. I think I'll just back off. But you can get the sense of where we're going. There is a need to grow in understanding the voice of God and how his direction comes to us and what it sounds like. It's more art than science, and it's not formulaic, but it is something each one of us can and should grow in. John, John 10, 6, I just got to finish this passage. It says, those who, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved, and they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. And the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Do you realize that Jesus is here talking about spiritual warfare? He, he's, he's talking about spiritual warfare. And what Jesus is revealing is that your capacity to rightly discern and take in the voice of God is one of your primary forms of defense in spiritual warfare. That hearing the voice of God is actually your way to victory in spiritual warfare. He said the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and, and here's what I've recognized, is that when the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, he doesn't usually show up with a pitchfork. <laughs> like that. It's not like that. Did you like my little devil impersonation? That was fun. You could try it later. <laughs> but what the devil does do is comes along not with a pitchfork, but with an idea. Genesis 3.1, beginning of the Bible. Devil shows up as a talking snake. Hmm, did God... <laughs> Did God really say that you don't get to eat that fruit? <laughs> and it wasn't a pitchfork. It wasn't a sword. It wasn't a dagger. It, wasn't, it, was, it was an idea, a, a different voice with an idea. And Jesus is getting to us by saying, you get defended from that as you grow in knowing my voice, yeah. recognizing 
my voice so you don't get tripped up into some idea coming from this culture and that subculture and this part of the world around you, but from my heart as your shepherd. And I'm praying and hoping that we grow in this, in this ability to hear God's voice so that we'll live in what he described. He said, I got to read this again. It's just so good. John 10, 9. He said, I'm the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. If you have come to Jesus, you are saved. You're saved. You're saved from your sin. You're saved from your guilt. You're saved from the threat of hell for all eternity. You're saved from the punishment from your past. You're saved. You're saved. I, I, I love to remind myself of how good it is to just know I'm saved. I'm saved. And I want you to just say it. I'm saved. Just say it. I'm saved. I'm saved. I don't know exactly what's going to happen over here with this deal, but I'm saved. I, I'm not uh, sure about the, the solution to this problem that I'm going through right now, but I'm saved. I have a Savior who loves me. I'm saved. I have a shepherd, Savior, King who's got my back. And like Pastor Rick was saying earlier, he's got this. He's got me. He's got her. He's got them. He's got it. He's got this. Verse 9 again. He said, I'm the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. And, and he's describing your life with him now. He says, they'll come and go freely, find good pasture. Thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus says. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Can you believe that Jesus says that? Jesus says that. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And some of us are going, wait, no, no, I don't know. I don't know about that. Because I'm pretty sure that what he, what, what's supposed to happen is I'm supposed to come to church and feel bad and feel guilty and get real sour and dour and, 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 lots of, and be really religiously nervous all the time. Like, we have that kind of a mindset, but Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I want for you to be able to have a rich and satisfying life. But part of that includes you recognizing that your real and best satisfaction is going to come in ways that are different than maybe what you thought. Let me talk to you about it. Let me show you something about that. Let me shepherd you through that. Some of us learned this translation. I've come that they would have a rich and satisfying life. And others of us learned the NIV where it says, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Some of us learned it in the King James where it says, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Any which way you put it, it's Jesus saying, I have so much good in store for you. When you live your life shepherded, by Jesus, his protection, his care, his closeness, his tenderness, his thoughtfulness about the future, his insight about the way to go. It's abundantly good. And, and for many of us, uh, we, we are living in that. We're living for God, so we're listening to God. I listen to God because I'm living for God. Stay right there. Others of you, it's kind of like you're off a couple of degrees. And today, 
I'm a voice in the wilderness saying, come on, come on back. Get back on the, on the shepherd Jesus track. He, he's not done with you. But for somebody else, this is all kind of new for you. And I want you to know there's something amazing available for you. It's called being saved by Jesus. Your sin gets forgiven. Your soul gets made new. Your spirit is regenerated. And you get to live for God. And that changes everything. You have the hope of heaven for all eternity and the power of heaven as you're walking this life on earth. I want it for you. I pray that you would open your eyes today to the goodness of Shepherd Jesus. So I want us to just take a moment and pray together all around this room or outside or at home. We're just going to pray together right where we are and be in God's presence for a couple of minutes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you, God, that you actually want us. Thank you that you actually want us. You want us. The way a shepherd wants the sheep. Doesn't want to lose a single one. Thank you, God, that for so many of us, what that means is that we are safe. Thank you that you want us. He wants you. He's not tolerating you. He's not putting up with you. He wants you you. He wants you to come close. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give care to you. He wants to provide for you. He wants your life to be in his hands. As a sheep's life is in the hands of the shepherd. For many of you, I, I want you to just rest in this while we're praying. I am saved I'm saved. And a long time ago, you put your trust in Jesus, and you stand forever saved, safe in his love, safe in his mercy, safe in his gospel-given compassion and grace for you. And so today, I want every believer, if you know Jesus, I want you to just put your hand on your heart for a second and just simply say, I'm saved. Just say it with me. I'm saved. And, and I'll keep your hand on your heart for a second. Just, just know for a minute. Just know, know right now the, the goodness of God. That, that he looked at you from all eternity and said, oh, she is my treasure. I want her. From all eternity, he scoped you out and said, that's my man. I, I want him. I want him. He saw everything. He saw it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. And nevertheless, he just says, yeah, she's mine. Oh, he's mine. And you woke up one day somehow and put your trust in Jesus, and you are saved. Just say it again with me. Say, I am saved. Say it. I am saved. I'm saved from my sin. I'm saved from guilt. I'm saved from the shame. I'm saved from the threat of hell. I'm saved from a life of despair and emptiness. I'm saved from the powerlessness. I'm saved... I'm saved. It's so good. God, we together, many of us with our hand on our heart, we just say, God, it's so good to be saved. It really is. Woo! Come on. Thank you, God, that we're saved. Thank you, God, that I'm saved. Thank you, God, that I'm saved. <laughs> 
Ah, I gotta shout about it. My Savior, Shepherd, King from all eternity has declared I'm His. I'm forgiven, I'm free. I can't help but shout about it. I'm free and I'm saved. Thank you, Lord. Now, I just know there's probably a couple of us, we're just trying to, just trying to figure some things out. We're just trying to come to church a little bit. But God's saying, yeah, there's much more, though. I want you to give me your life. I want you to come enjoy a life abundant with me as your shepherd. And Jesus did what needed to be done so you could be forgiven. The, the, the score has already been settled by everything he did on the cross. And what he did was make it possible for a gift to be given to you, the gift of salvation, being saved. It's a gift. You don't earn it. You didn't walk in here deserving it. He just offers it to you. And for somebody, this is the moment in your life where you need to finally say, okay, Jesus, I'm yours. You can, you can have me. For somebody, that's got to happen right now, today. So while we're all praying together, if you're sitting here saying, I need to do that once and for all, I need to say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive me and save me. I want to also be able to know I'm saved if you're ready to say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive your sin and take your life and give you abundant life and make him your shepherd of your life. Right now, I want you to just raise your hand. Just raise it up really high and keep it up. Raise it high and don't hold back. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, make this moment that moment. Right over here in the left, I see you, man. Keep it up right here in the middle in the left. Thank you. Who else? Once and for all, you're just going to finally say, all right, I'm asking Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. I want to know that I'm saved. You raise your hand up right now in this moment. Outside, you also, online, you just type it in. I want to ask Jesus to save me. And then with your hand raised or sitting together here, would you just take a moment and pray? You say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Just start there. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I got a lot of questions, a whole bunch of things I don't know, and I still got to figure out. But Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Say it with me. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And so I turn from my sin and I turn to you and I'm asking you to forgive me and save me and be my shepherd, be the Lord of my life. I'm, I'm giving my all to you. I'm yours. And you just say that to him, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I'm yours. And just say to him right now, thank you for forgiving me and saving me. Thank you for new life, Lord. Thank you for new life. You know what? I want everyone to stand up. And as you're all standing up together, I, I want... I want you to consider making this declaration one more time. I listen to God because I'm living for God. Yeah. Is it true? Can it be true? Could that happen more in your life, living for God? If it were a dimmer switch, could you raise the dimmer a bit? I'm living for God. I'm living for God. I'm living for God. I don't hit it all the time, 100%. And some days I don't even want to tell you the percent, but I'm, I'm moving and continuing to turn in his direction to be living for God. I'm living for God. You can say it with me. I'm living for God. I'm living for God. Say it again. I'm living for God in every area of my life more and more. 
a bit more today than yesterday and a bit more tomorrow and a bit more this year. I'm living for God, just say it. I'm living for God. I'm living for God in my mindset. I'm living for God in my marriage. I'm living for God in my relationships. I'm living for God in my classroom. I'm living for God in my business. I'm living for God in my friendship with this particular person. I'm living for God. I'm living for God with what I'm putting into my body. Say it. I'm living for God with what I'm no longer putting into my body. Come on, somebody, don't leave me hanging. Shout it. I'm living for God. Ah!